Hello and welcome to the Norwich City Tactics Podcast. I'm Sam and I'm joined by James and Rich as we discuss Norwich's 2-0 win over Birmingham City. Norwich lost to Fulham in the EFL Cup in midweek, but made one change from their last league game against Plymouth, with Shemislav Plachetta coming in for Hwang. James, would you have liked to see more changes after last week's horror show? So, I think I did say this um, when the team was announced as well, but I was a big fan of bringing in Forshaw and moving Sarah up a little bit higher, simply for the reason that, um, as we saw at Plymouth, that Sarah McLean midfield can be got at on the counter-attack sometimes. And Sarah is a player who, if he's allowed to get into the final third and get into the box, can provide that creativity and those goals. His sort of creative passing is maybe something that the front four would lack if he's not there. We don't really have someone like that uh, lining up in the front four at the moment. So, yeah, if I was picking a team, that's what I'd do. Rich, was there anything you would have liked to have seen uh, in terms of changes from the Plymouth game? Yeah, I think I agree with uh, James to a certain extent. I do want to see Sarah further forward. I think a big part of his game, as he sort of showed in this game, which we'll get into later on, is his arriving in the box um, and arriving from deep, which I think he limits being played deeper. So I would like to see him play a bit further forward. And I think Forshaw's a good player and should be get a good stint in the in the middle. But Sarah has such an influence in the position he is at the minute, I reckon Wagner's a little bit reluctant to, to change too much to see. I think Blajeta as the, as the choice to come in was a brave one. I think he needs to do more for me to keep his spot, but I was, I was excited to, to see him play. Yeah, I do get what you're saying on the, uh, on the Sarah thing, because obviously, as we've said on previous podcasts, he's someone who can affect the game in all phases. And having that skill set, you can see why Wagner's reluctant to move him. I just think that in terms of the build-up, I think Forshaw is someone who's quite good in that area as well. And therefore, Sarah's skill set might be better used further forward, where we don't necessarily have someone who can do that job. And yeah, and I think with Sergeant and Barnes out, it seemed like inevitable in a way, like a couple of games ago, that Sarah was going to move into that second striker role. But it's something that we didn't see. And if it's like, well, if Wagner isn't going to do it now then when is he going to do it, really? Because obviously with Sergeant and Barnes going to come back eventually, um, and with Hwang really struggling last week against Plymouth, it felt like this was going to be the game that he was going to make that selection decision. But in the end, it just didn't happen. So starting in this uh, zero to 30 minute period, which uh, which I'm going to cover, I think we saw within the first five minutes, Norwich getting a lot of joy in the central areas, which was a theme that happened through most of the game. And it was a bit of a pleasant surprise considering how well Plymouth protected that area last week in terms of when Norwich were in possession. The first move that came um, through that area was Adam Ido just coming a little bit deeper. He receives uh, the ball, I think, from the centre-back and passes it to Rowe. And then Rowe's able to pass it to Fashnak. The thing that I like about this, with Ida coming deeper, he's taken Sanderson, one of Birmingham's centre-backs, out of that back line. So what happens is that's created a little bit of space in Birmingham's defence. When Sarah passes to Fashnak and Fashnak's turned on the ball, it means that he can play this pass into the space that Sanderson's vacated. At this point, Ida's trying to get to that ball. There's just a little bit overhit, so Roddy's able to uh, come out and clear the ball. But I just think it was a really good example because we just didn't see enough of that last week, that combination play in the centre of the pitch. And even though it was in quite a tight area, uh, in terms of the way that when uh, Rowe gets the ball and in terms of when Fashnak gets the ball, they're able, still able to complete those passes and actually almost create a chance out of that. This happened quite frequently throughout the um, throughout the first half. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. I thought that was something that Ida did quite well in the first half. 
He was always um, looking to receive the ball into his feet and then sort of play a simple layoff back, which is something that he does well. And uh, if he can bring a centre with him, that does create that danger in behind for other people to run, especially when you have someone dying out playing behind him like Rowe, who you feel like could maybe take advantage of running beyond him when Ida drops deep. On Rowe as well, I thought he started pretty well playing in those central areas. He did well to receive the ball on the turn quite a lot. There was just a few times his final pass was a little bit off, but... Um, he generally did look quite dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of brings us on nicely to Norwich's next chance in the 16th minute because it's a pass from McLean into Rowe. Um, in terms of that second striker spot, it was Rowe in behind Ida. I think a few fans thought it was going to be Fashnak playing directly behind Ida in terms of that position. But actually, more often than not, it was Rowe appearing there. And it's the chance that he creates for Ida where I think um, the player that's man-marking him, Sunich, he switches off, which allows him a little bit of space, and Rose able to turn and take the ball past him. I think as soon as she's getting back and pressuring him quite intensely, he's still able to release a pass into Ida, who takes a pretty good first touch just to take the ball away from the defender, then hits this really good snapshot, which just goes past the um, the left-hand post. It's a really well-hit uh, shot from Ida. And again, one that isn't on target and one doesn't go in, but I think he's just a bit unlucky there, really, because... He's got everything right in terms of his technique, in terms of his power. Yeah, a really nice piece of hold-up play. Even though it's not a good chance because it's outside the box, I think Eda's pretty much created that for himself. Yeah, I, I said before the game on that that um, I thought Fastnack would play essentially, which he has done in the past. Um, and I thought actually putting Johnny Rowe in there, it cured what I thought would be a major problem with uh, progression potentially. Um, I thought if we were to play Fastnack centrally and Johnny Rowe wide, you're relying a lot on Adam Eder to bring players into the game and to get us up the pitch a bit. But with Johnny Rowe, he offers that dynamic ball carrying through the middle and he beats the player with ease, doesn't he? So he showed that numerous times in the first 10, 15 minutes. He got on the ball from deep and he carried us forward and I thought it worked really well. And I actually really liked him there. And I know James has mentioned in previous weeks uh, the goal threat he offers. I really like him in those central areas. Yeah, I think it's also the way he can like receive and turn. We've talked about his ball striking off both feet with his two-footness. He's capable of receiving, turning and playing at almost any angle, which is what you need if you're going to play in the middle. And mm-hmm. what a lot of wingers lack, which is why they can't play in the middle. It was a really impressive showing from him on that front. Yeah, and it's really good to see him start in that position because a lot of the time he started out wide and he's had to invert to pick up the balls in the half space or in the central areas. But the fact that like, a lot of this game he was starting in that position, meant there was more of a chance that Norwich could play through the centre of the pitch and straight into him. I guess another theme of our possession during the game was trying to get Yunulis and Stacey, the fullbacks, in behind. Yunulis felt like he was making more runs than in previous games. He actually nearly scored here through a switch of play from McLean. And it's an incomplete pass, so Drame is able to head the ball, or tries to head the ball back to Ruddy. Yunulis reads what's going to happen, comes in, and uh, tries to lob Ruddy. It's probably Norwich's, or it's definitely one of Norwich's best chances of the first half. But maybe symbolise actually how intelligent um, Yunus was in terms of his play today. As soon as he sees uh, Drama's going to try and head the ball back, he's straight in there. He knows exactly what position the ball's going to fall to. Um, and he's pretty unlucky with it because obviously with Ruddy being so tall, uh, the fact that Yunus is even able to get the ball over Ruddy is actually like a really good piece of technical play. It obviously falls the wrong side of the post, but he just reads that situation well and is so unlucky not to score. Yeah, there was actually... Um, I'll mention it now, uh, even though it's it's after 30 minutes, but there was another one where Unidas got on the end of a uh, crossfield ball from Sarah and was just unlucky that the ball got away from him a little bit. 
and he had to lean back when he was uh, trying to score, put it over the bar. I don't know whether it's a tactical thing that Wagner or the coaches uh, told them because obviously they see Pochetta as someone who can play at left back as well as left wing. But there were a few times where they just sort of rotated positions there and Pochetta would stay deeper and Unius would be the one on the last line running in behind. Yeah, so I don't know whether it's something that Unius himself would just do naturally or whether that was a tactical instruction from the coaches there. Yeah. I actually, I actually think they got in each other's way a little bit. You know, listen, Plajeta. Um They're both naturally wide left players. When Plajeta came in narrow to get on the ball a bit more, I don't, I didn't like him in those areas. He, his touches are too heavy, um, and he doesn't have a quick turning circle like uh, a Johnny Rowe, for example. So when he did prefer to stay wide, you'd have Yanulis and Plajeta on the same vertical plane, um, and it would just be a a pass and then it would come backwards so I, I didn't like that dynamic on the left side as much as I have in previous weeks. The only thing that was probably good about that actually was the fact that when Plachetta came inside it meant the drain of the right back would follow him which meant that you knew this could go on the outside because I think with Ollie Burke Birmingham's right winger what he would do is he would often switch off um, and he wouldn't track Unilis's run so uh, yeah I know what you mean Rich in terms of like in terms of actual possession but in terms of the movement that that created or the space that created for Plachetta coming inside, then that did mm. help a little bit. I agree with you in the sense that I just don't think Plachetta's always comfortable in the in the half space receiving the ball. He never really wants to progress it. If anything, he's just trying very, very hard to retain it rather than looking for a forward pass. Yeah, it is something we, I think it was after the Huddersfield game where he had a bit of a cameo there. We sort of discussed how he's um, he's got quite a limited skill set as a player. He's good at sort of driving down the wing and whipping it across his left. He's got quite a good left foot for like uh, those sort of driven crosses. And we saw it at Fulham as well a few times. He was he looked electric when he had space to run into down the wing. But then if he's asked to do anything else in terms of moving in field, as Rich says, he's not really uh, got the skill set for that. Yeah, it does make you um, question sort of what type of games he should start in and whether... This was one of them because being at home, we'd be expected to dominate the ball and not maybe have as much space for him to run into. Well, I actually think he's better suited as, as a left-back in this Wagner system. Um, when he's played there, I've much preferred it. I, I think, as you say, it suits his more limited skill set. And I don't think he's too bad defensively. He can switch off uh, at the back post, um, but he's a, he's a good jeweller. And yeah, I, I prefer to see him at left-back rather than uh, further forward personally. Well, it was actually Pachetta's uh, cross from the left-hand side, which produced the last chance of this 0-30 minute period. And again, I think, as James mentioned, his crossing is pretty inconsistent. And this is one which isn't great because it just, um, it almost goes out of play. It kisses the top of the bar and then comes out the other side. And thankfully, um, I think it's Fashnak there just to pick it up um, and keep it in play. He passes it back to Stacey, then gives it back to him. And Fashnak crosses it, crosses the ball in, and it's a really nice piece of movement from Adam Eder. Over this period where he's been in the team, Eder, his movement's got a little bit better. There was a, an example earlier in the half where you knew this had a lot of time to try and uh, play it into the near post, and Eder had done really well to get ahead of Kevin Long, but because it deflected off Sarnes and the cross, it meant that it went back into the area. But I'm pretty sure that Eder would have got there first and scored. He gets the ball um, first here as well. He starts off actually behind Sarnes and the centre back. So Sanderson can't see him. And that's obviously a really difficult position for the defender in terms of a cross coming in. So yeah, Eda makes a really nice run around Sanderson and he meets Fashnak's cross. There isn't a lot of pace on it. So it is quite hard to generate power and accuracy. In the end, the header goes straight at uh, Ruddy. But yeah, I feel like it was a pretty strong period for Norwich. Birmingham were really, really poor, actually. I think they're pressing 
especially in this first 30 minutes, was pretty fractured. Um, they were set up in like a 4-2-3-1, and they sometimes pressed with a 2, but it didn't always really disrupt Norwich at all, and they were to play out fairly easily. And I think we've mentioned a couple of times of Rowe being able to pick up the ball in the in the central areas. And I think that was a lot down to Sunich, um, one of their central midfielders, just not being able to pick him up properly. And even that chance that we've uh, we've just mentioned, the cross that came in from Placheta, that was another incident where Rowe picked up the ball, was able to turn and run at the at the Birmingham defence. So yeah, Norwich definitely the dominant um, team in terms of possession and territory in this in this early period. Yeah, I, I was actually really disappointed with Birmingham showing on, on Saturday. I thought um, they've done quite well this year and they've got some good results. Um, but their pressing scheme was all wrong. Uh, they gave Norwich far too much space. Their wide centre-backs far too much time um, to play progressive passes. Um, and they left a lot of space um, either side of their, their centre midfielders, um, which is where Norwich put their dangerous players. So... Yeah, tactically, I think they got it all wrong. And I was, yeah, I was just really disappointed. I think Birmingham have been a good side this year and I was hoping to see a bit more. So just after 30 minutes, there was um, one of Birmingham's only real sort of attacking moments to the half, which is, is a dangerous cross from Stansfield from the right. It's the second time he put in a dangerous cross from the right after the earlier one, which had flashed through the six-yard box. And those were the only two real times where it felt like we had any sort of danger of conceding throughout the half which is, um, I guess, partly down to us looking a bit more solid. And also, Birmingham didn't really use the ball well. They didn't really offer any sort of threat in transition, which is something you'd think they would look to target, given how we looked against Plymouth last week. But be it through individual decision-making and execution, that sort of prevented them from really exploiting any weaknesses in our uh, defensive structure there. So yeah, those are the only two real moments in terms of uh, defensive concerns in the first half. And both of them just went straight through the box. I think the first one, best one of their strikes might have been close, but the second one just went straight through the six-yard box. So no real threat there. Then we had, we had a few more nice moments towards the end of the first half without really threatening much ourselves either. I want to mention Gibson here. I thought this was probably his best game on the ball this season, which I think was helped by their pressing because, as Rich said, our wide centre-backs in build-up had a lot of time. Gibson's someone who has really nice passing technique, but maybe doesn't like being closed down. So if you give him time to get his head up and pass the ball, he can find those passes through the lines of ease. And he did that numerous times in the first half. There was one really nice moment where he sort of played a first-time pass out to the right wing to Stacey after the ball was laid back to him. And uh, another nice moment where he actually played a 1-2, if you knew this, and drove with the ball with midfield. And then played a through ball to Ida, who unfortunately was just a yard offside. I think he was the reason why a lot of our first half ball progression was down the left. Between him, Yunus and Sarah, probably our, our three best progressive passes in that first half. All other left, left side bias being left was playing mainly on the left. So uh, you can see why most of our progression was coming down that side. Yeah, I was just going to come in and say I completely agree with you on Gibson. Um, even in the first 30 minutes, there were a couple of passes which were fairly risky. I think if they were intercepted, that could have led to a turnover and a transition. But actually, the fact that he felt composed and brave enough to take those on was actually really, really encouraging because I think those passes, especially the passes through the Sedford pitch and the half spaces, it can be easy for Gibson just to pass to Yanoulis or pass back to Duffy. But it looked like he definitely had the confidence back in terms of executing those passes and progressing Norwich up the pitch. And I think we are so reliant when we play out from the back on Duffy and Gibson being able to break those lines. And he did that so well on Saturday. Yeah, and um, I thought Sarah had a few nice moments passing from deep towards the end of the first half as well. 
There's one ball into Fastnack on the edge of the box where opened up a shot, which unfortunately he curled straight at Ruddy, when he might have used Stacey's run to the right, which Stacey had timed perfectly to arrive right as Fastnack got the ball out of his feet, but unfortunately he chose the shot instead. Then next bit, there was a nice move which involved Eulis playing into the feet of Ida. It was laid back to Sarah, and then Sarah first time swept it out to Stacey, who was then arriving on the move again. I think that's something that Stacey did really well on Saturday, which was arriving at the right time and arriving at pace as well. I think that's probably his best attribute in terms of uh, being a Wagner wingback. You need to need to have the energy and the timing to be able to arrive into that space, especially with someone like Fastnacht, who maybe isn't the most dynamic on the right. I think it, the attack on that side wouldn't really function without Stacey's dynamism. Yeah, he's a, he's a full-blooded player. That's you, can, you can't take that away from him. He would never have survived under... Farker, but under Wagner style of play, he's full-blooded, all action. And I think fans have reacted to that uh, and they like how he, he throws himself into challenges. He gets around his winger and he gets the ball in the box, which is something that Aaron's maybe was criticised for in the past unfairly. He, he, he almost seems like the antithesis as a player. Yeah, so uh, moving to the second half, we had it was straight from kickoff, a nice McLean crossfield ball finding the runner Flechetta in behind on the left and he won a corner, which then led to um, what really should have been a clear-cut chance, I think, where we played, it looked like a training ground move where it was laid back to Stacey and he sort of hung it up to the back post for Duffy, who's peeled off there and he jumps and heads it back across and eventually it comes to Plachetta, who then sort of heads it down towards goal. And I think it's Fastnacht in there, has a bit of an air kick at the ball as it's coming across. And with how close he was to goal, if he makes any sort of connection, you feel like he probably scores. But then it ends up being cleared. It was a nice move and uh, created a pretty dangerous situation. So it's unfortunate we didn't capitalise from that. And then um, we had McLean then release Plachetta down the left again a minute later. And I think he won another corner. I just think that, like, those are the situations you have Plachetta in the team for, which is to release him in behind on the left so he can cross. And I don't think it was something that they talked about at half-time, but it was good to see that they did that twice early in the second half after he maybe didn't really do that enough in the first half. Yeah, I, I think when you get Plajeta in wide areas with space in front of him, I think he's really dangerous and he can he can do stuff. It's just whether it's crossing matches or, or adds up sometimes because if it is good, you can get some good quality chance creation out of him. Yeah, so um, here's where we then had what I view as a real turning point of the match, which is the Jay Stansfield chance. It's 52 minutes in. It was definitely a clear-cut chance because he had quite an open look at goal when he received the ball. And you just feel like if that had gone in, maybe the mood around Carroll Road would have really changed given we're off the back of a thrashing. As it is, Duffy ended up sliding in and inadvertently diverting the ball onto Gunn's chest. So between them, it was a good job keeping the ball out. Chance came about because... I think it was a, a block clearance from Stacey, then fell to Plachetta. And his pass to Ida was under hit, and Ida was sort of on his heels waiting to receive the ball. So between them, they got robbed. Sunich came in, plays it to Miyoshi. He plays this ball inside Stacey, who's squared up and not really ready to turn because he's only just got back in position after trying to make the clearance centrally a couple of seconds ago. And Stansfield, uh, whose movement was great all day, by the way, gets in behind him and looks like he has the uh, time and space to curl it on his right foot from that left-hand side of the box. Looks like a really dangerous chance. But um, Duffy does really well to get across, I think. It's pretty quick off the mark there and slides in and, as I said, gets the important touch to divert it onto gun and between them, they get it away. Yeah, I think, as you said, Stacey's body shape's pretty bad here. Like, I just don't think he reads the pass or the run from Stansfield. So, 
yeah, he doesn't really try to block it and he doesn't track the run. So he's put himself in quite a bad position and Santos able to get through. I'm not a massive fan about Gunn's decision making because after Stansfield takes his first touch, he pretty much stays on his goal line. And I think in those sorts of one-on-one situations as a goalkeeper, I prefer Gunn to be a little bit more proactive and really tries to close the angle down. Uh, because without Duffy's intervention, I think Stansfield pretty much is the whole of the right side of the goal to aim at. And Gunn, for me, just doesn't do enough. He almost freezes. When I think you want your goalkeeper in that situation to really act quickly. I've seen a few fans compliment Gunn on that save, but it literally hits him in the middle of the chest. It's going in, and it's only thanks to Duffy's block or tackle that he's able to get to the ball. So, yeah, I'd definitely be complimenting Duffy on this more than Angus Gunn. I do agree with you to a certain extent, um, Sam. I think can sometimes be a bit apprehensive when coming to claim the ball, but then other times he's brilliant. So I think that's something he will develop at age. You often look at him and you think, why have you not bulked up out a bit? Because you always think he's like quite a slight goalkeeper and he can be bullied to an extent and lack a bit of aggression that his dad probably had. Yeah, I thought if anything was going to happen, it would be through Miyoshi or Stansfield. I think Miyoshi was a fantastic player. He played with that arrogance like a, a James Madison plays with on the ball where he, he waits and um, he's very composed on his final action. And Stansfield is just all energy. Yeah, I definitely thought Stansfield was like the biggest threat in terms of um, scoring or creating. By Just in terms of his off-the-ball movement, I thought he was really dynamic and intelligent. And our midfielders who aren't necessarily that great at picking up runners behind them and our centre-backs who aren't necessarily great at reacting to sort of sharp movements. I thought he could have got some joy. He was at it a minute later as a driving run between Shetter and Sarah. Gibson actually does really well here to sort of stay alongside him and prevent that shot across goal. So he's forced to go near post and just puts it in the side netting. But he did look dangerous and on another day might have scored. Well, as you said, James, that was a bit of a turning point because within about a minute of that Stansfield chance, Norwich go... 1-0 1-0 up. And yeah, it's just a really good piece of play all round in the wide area. Um, how did the chance come about? And yeah, what did Norwich do right here? There's a run down the left by Unulis. Pachetta gives him the ball after he runs in space on that left channel and gets his head up and puts in a wonderful cross. Uh, we know Unulis has got a good left foot, but he maybe hasn't got that many assists so far in his Norwich career, which is surprising because uh, you do feel like he's someone who can put in a good cross. And yeah, Sarah runs off uh, Sinic, who is um, sleeping a bit in the box there. He runs between the two Birmingham centre-backs and meets the cross and gets really good contact and powers it down. So uh, yeah, it gives Roddy no chance because if he heads it in the air, it maybe don't get the sort of same effect with the bouncing ball. It makes it quite difficult to save. It's quite poor box defending from Birmingham because there was quite a big space between their two centre-backs and obviously have the defensive midfielder not tracking the run of our midfield as Sarah. But yeah, really nice header and really nice cross and I think a well-deserved lead. Yeah, I think it, it was an exceptional uh, heading technique and I, I sort of mentioned it at the start of the podcast, but Sarah, his, his attacking of the box, his box movement is really good as well. Um, and, he, and he slipped off his defensive midfielder easily powered himself into the box. The technique to head into the ground, as you say, across the goalkeeper, it gave uh, Ruddy no chance. So uh, a really well-taken goal. Yeah, I did kind of wonder where... Uh, because actually, when that play starts, Sarah's already in the box. So even though he arrives really well, it's not as if he has to come from about 30 yards out into the box because he's already in and around that area. So I did kind of think, as we were talking about at the beginning of the pod in terms of him playing the second striker, 
if he did start in that role, he would be in the 18-yard box more because it's usually him creating the move. So it means that he's obviously got to do a lot of work to get into the box. But I think when this move started, he was already around there anyway. It's such a good header that it's a bit of a shame that we don't see him in those sorts of positions a bit more frequently. But yeah, the unit of this cross is, is so good because it arrives at head height, more or less, like around the, the penalty spot or around where Sarah arrives. It's not as if like the ball dies and like or loses trajectory. Um, and I think it's first time or more, it's either first time or on his his second touch. And yeah, the way he bends it around the first blocker is um, is so good. I think there's a good shout that he's probably our best crosser in the team. And as we are now pretty much a crossing team, I think, you know, last week we were the, the side in the championship with the third highest crosses. If he's going to be able to do that a bit more frequently, then I think we'll be able to create lots more chances that way. Yeah, and as Rich said, that is an argument for moving Sarah further forward because if you've got someone who can cross the ball like you know this and the plan is to be more of a crossing team, then I feel like you want your best targets to be able to get in the box as much as possible. And Sarah is definitely one of our best targets. Obviously, we're missing Sergeant, who is probably our best box threat in terms of uh, aerially and his movement. But Sarah could go some way towards filling that void if we let him. If only we could have Sarah play deeper, Sarah play forward. It's just you've got a way up. Does the net positive of him attacking the box make up for losing him in, in more build-up situations? It's it's such a tricky equation for Wagner to work out. And I think the more risk-averse thing, which coaches tend to do, and they try to limit risk, is to, to retain him in that deeper role. But yeah, he's really good in those forward areas as well. If only we could clone him. <laughs> And yeah, thankfully, it's during that spell that Norwich go 2-0 up um, over the course of about a seven-minute period. They get those two goals. Um, this came from a slightly different situation because it's Birmingham in possession, but um, it's won back really well from Stacey. Uh, so what happened to the move after that, James? Yeah, so it's, um, as you said, Stacey like, slides in and robs Dembele. The ball's loose and Huang reacts first. And it's really quick thinking from him to uh, do that back heel flick to row because... Uh, the Birmingham player is right there after him with a sort of slide tackle. So uh, he can't wait even a millisecond longer to get that off. Yeah, Rowe drives the ball into space. This is something I've talked about with Rowe before, but I really like how his angle of attack on Long gives him the option to go outside or inside. It makes him so hard to defend. And Long sort of ends like squared up. Rowe does the uh, step over to open up the shot on his left foot. And it's a really, I, I use the term ruthless finish. He just absolutely smashes it and hard and low. And it's not actually that near the corner, but it's just the way he hits it so quickly after a step over with so much power that beats Ruddy. Yeah, I, I was going to mention as soon as you said it, um, how quickly he's able to take his strikes after doing a, a bit of skill or, or be a, a feint and off to the, his left foot is what makes him so good and what makes him uh, have that potential to be much better than Norwich and go on to much bigger and better things. Hopefully we can have him as long as we can, but the, the reality is he's got an exceptional skill set uh, and that shooting so quickly with that much power and the ability to do it off his left and right foot, yeah, he's exceptional. And it was so well-deserved because it was a new role. He found himself, as we've mentioned a few times now, in that central area, but he had struggled in the past couple of games. Obviously, a lot of players had a tough time against Plymouth, but even in previous games, he had looked like he'd lost a bit of confidence or maybe even there were kind of slight weaknesses creeping into his game. But he'd had such a good first 60 minutes. And yeah, it's a really good strike and thoroughly deserved for the individual in terms of Rowe and, and for the team itself. Yeah, I felt like perhaps in previous games, he'd been forced to play 
almost too wide. The way we sort of become more of a crossing team, he'd be uh, picking up the ball mainly in wide areas and not really getting that chance to sort of drive the ball centrally and attack the box the way he did against Birmingham. And I think that that really limits his game. I think he is a player who is most dangerous in those central areas. I haven't talked about it really, but uh, I remember watching him for the under-21s. I can't remember if it was still the under-23s then for Norwich. And they played like a diamond and he was the number 10 behind two strikers. And he was allowed to roam around the pitch and basically pick up the ball wherever he wanted. And I do think that um, he is someone who should be given the freedom to do that. You don't really want him to play like a traditional winger and just stay in that wide channel. The way you want Pachetta to play like a traditional winger because that's what suits his skill set. I did like his role, even though it adds to the dilemma with Sarah because if you move Sarah up, then his role is forced to play more out wide and then therefore limited a bit. So yeah, that's something else to think about as well on that. So yeah, after the goal, we sort of settled into our, our rhythm, uh, tried to, to kill the game off a little bit and, and got a little bit deeper and, and took that one extra pass and build up just to, to retain the ball a little bit more to sort of see the game out. We did then make some strange subs. I thought uh, it was harsh, subbing off Adam Eder. I don't know what you guys thought of that, um, but I thought he'd had a good game up until that point. He's not played enough and I just want to see him play. So to bring him off, it, it frustrated me a little bit. I'm not sure what you two made of that. Yeah, I, I thought it kind of made sense in terms of bringing Forshaw on just to compose the game a little bit. And you obviously got that experience in sort of central midfield. I guess it would have been nice to see him either get a goal or assist, but it did feel like at that point, Wagner was being a little bit conservative, um, taking him off. I think because of the game state, with us being 2-0 up, like I wasn't that bothered with seeing him withdrawn. Uh, and also mm. at the same time, slightly worried due to the lack of options we have in that area of the pitch in terms of playing as a centre forward or the second striker. You know, if there's another freak injury like we've had to Barnes and Sargent, you know, I guess maybe that maybe that's being a bit overprotective, but I don't think I was too negative on that. Yeah, and then on the 68th minute after that, Birmingham had a really, really good chance. Miyoshi hit the bar, which was a good bit of play from them. This chance came about as as we sort of got deeper and deeper. Yeah, we were looking to, to see the game out at this point and Huang isn't Sargent. He, he doesn't, defend and he doesn't offer that same pressing ability from the front that, that a sergeant does and he was lax to this point so um, Birmingham's right back was able to make the most of this space that, that was left um, as a result plays it into Miyoshi who beats a couple of players he drops Duffy and Gibson and gets a good shot off and luckily hits the bar but yeah a bit of a let off yeah, I think defending from the front was definitely an issue last week against uh, against Plymouth because I think Hwang struggled in that area in terms of like the way that Wagner wants his teams to defend. If the ball gets moved really quickly, it like then I think the defence often looks a bit exposed. And yeah, I don't think McLean and Sarah in those areas are always like the best at screening. That's what I was kind of hoping Forshaw might bring a little bit. Um, and now he's recovered from injury and starting to appear more frequently. I thought that might be something that could be a little bit better because with Saurus then going in behind Hwang, I thought that would give us a bit more of a solid base. But I um, think during this period, and again, it was down to the game state and um, the fact that Norwich would turn up, that maybe we did cede a bit too much possession, a bit too much territory. Yeah, on um, McLean and Sarah, they're both players who've been sort of moved back in their careers from more advanced roles when they've come to Norwich. I think McLean was more of a number 10 or advanced central midfielder at Aberdeen. And I think Sarah at Sao Paulo was often played as like an eight in a midfield three or occasionally even on the right wing. And I think you can both see it in their games, how they like to defend on the front foot and try and counter press and win the ball back. But both have those weaknesses defending the space behind them, which 
is a problem. I think we did see it as a problem at Plymouth. And that's one of the arguments for maybe moving Sauer and bringing in another midfielder to play in that deeper role. Someone like Forshaw, I haven't seen enough of him to sort of judge how good he is at defending space behind him. But maybe just having the extra body in there would help us. So going on, the, the next sort of theme I, I sort of picked up on on this last 30 minutes, as Birmingham committed more players forward, they left lots of space in behind and, and we, we moved Johnny Rowe wide and we had Hernandez on. Um, and that, that left space to exploit. And we had a good few chances, well, not big chances, but we had opportunities um, to create from this. And I, I think notably there was one point in, in about the 85th, 86th minute, um, we, we caught Birmingham with a 4v3 and I think it was Hernandez that was driving through he's through the middle of the pitch uh, and it was just decision making that let us down it's often the the criticism with Hernandez when he's in these areas what does he do at the end of it and I think he played like a an under hit pass that was slightly behind Sarah as he's looking to go through but we yeah easily we could have killed the game off we still look a threat with our our, our pacey wide players yeah, I actually thought Hernandez was like a little bit too conservative during this period. I don't know whether mm. Wagner had told him just to retain the ball because there were a few times when he got it in space on the left-hand side and he'd often like cut back and then pass back to Yanoulis. He was definitely less dynamic and he was less vertical. As you've already said, Rich, there were a couple of passes which um, which went astray or or a bit imprecise, which, um, which we've kind of got used to under Hernandez. But yeah, I've always a bit of a strange performance. He was almost caught in two minds, really. Yeah, and then finally, the last sort of notable thing that happened in the game, James, in the 90th minute, had a, a golden opportunity, a, a header uh, in the six-yard box. Um, this came from a, a long pass at, from the left-back, uh, a long diagonal to the back post uh, in the box, header back, back across goal, and James knocks the ball um, over the bar, which it was a, a really, really good opportunity, which he, he should have done better. He should have at least hit the target with a bit of a let-off for Norwich. But again, it came as a result of us sitting deep, giving far too much time to, to full-backs because I think Sarah moved forward at this point and it was him and Ujo. Sarah's a good presser, um, but uh, Ujo doesn't do enough for me defensively. Yeah, it would have been a real shame to concede that goal right at the end because um, I thought Norwich had perhaps done just enough to keep a clean sheet. Maybe it was just one of those um, situations where because it was right towards the end of the game. Um, there are a few people slightly out of position or fatigued setting. But yeah, I think after what had happened last week as well, conceding six goals, a clean sheet was imperative. I remember thinking before the game what a confidence boost that would be to the side, especially the back four, uh, the back four or five players, including Gunn, how big a clean sheet would be for them. Um, even if it was a nil-nil draw, I think the fact that there is a bit more stability uh, there would have been really, really impressive. And, and yeah, luckily... Norwich did do that in the end, but as you said, Rich, I think think James probably should have scored there. That was their highest XG chance of the game. Perhaps Norwich a little bit fortunate, but overall, their defensive display was enough to keep a clean sheet. Okay, so um, James, is there anything that you want to say in conclusion? Was there anything like from a tactical perspective or in an individual perspective? So I think after last week, the number one thing we really needed to prove was that we sort of hadn't fallen apart mentally. And I thought this was like the perfect game for the shape we were in because Birmingham didn't really put us under any sort of meaningful pressure. They didn't really exploit us on the counter that well so I think it was nice that uh, the players who had sort of fallen apart last week had the chance to ease their way in 
and um, get their confidence on the ball. And I think that meant that we could look really dominant passing the ball around. I do worry that um, when we face opponents that can actually put us under pressure and stop us from playing and hit us on the counter, that um, we maybe haven't seen the last of the problems from last week. But it was good to see that we can still put away bad teams at home because that's something we did well in the early part of the season. In terms of standout players, Sarah, Rowe, Yanulis, Ida, all deserve mentions, I think. Especially the first two, I thought they were key to the win because we weren't necessarily creating a huge amount of clear-cut chances. But um, when we needed those moments of quality, uh, we had those two to provide them for us. I thought Yanulis, um, it was really good again in terms of his progression and also uh, in terms of his off-the-ball movement as well in the first half and the cross for the goal. So carries on what has been a pretty outstanding season for him personally. Yeah, I, I think for me, James is spot on. I'm not sure how much we've learned from that. We we put away a pretty poor Birmingham on the day. So we've won that game. We've shown we can do that in the past. It was a good response to Plymouth in the sense of a clean sheet, two goals, good win. But could have been more convincing probably. First half, I think we lacked a little bit of quality. But no, it was, it was a good win. Standouts again for me. Gabby Sarah, say it every week. He's unreal. Um, your new list was good. Um, Gibson, I thought, played well and really good in build-up and played some excellent uh, progressive passes on the day. And then Ujo, I thought, actually looked the best I've seen him going forward. I'd like, as I say, or I've said through the podcast, I'd like to see more um, from him defensively. Um, But I thought he was solid and looked good going forward. Yeah, ever since the game finished on Saturday, I haven't really quite decided whether it's just so opposition-dependent because Plymouth tactically last week was so good in terms of the way that they protected the centre of the pitch and the way it was so hard to progress in that area and the fact that Norwich kept having to go wide and he just created this kind of U-shaped possession where the ball just went from left to right. Like watching Birmingham on Saturday, they were just so lax in their press. After the game, John Eustace actually said that Norwich could finish second or third in the championship. And he did feel a bit like, well, if we come up against coaches like you every week, then we will because you're up- <laughs> Because you haven't, because he clearly hadn't watched the game the week before. If they were going to play on the counter, I'm not quite sure what they'd done during the week because it just felt like they were just giving us so much respect. And it's fair enough that if you're going to see possession, which Plymouth did last week, and and play on the counter and look to get your, like your really quick players in behind our defence, which is slow, um, and especially when the fullbacks are so forward, then that like creates space in the wide areas again. Something that that Plymouth took advantage of last week but I didn't see any of that from Birmingham and yeah I mean Sunjic had a really difficult time up against Rowe he got through on a few occasions but then while I'm saying this I'm thinking well is that just Norwich playing really well and just being really really effective and getting their game plan back to what it was in terms of possession and I just think maybe it's just a bit of both really because like it was noticeable how positive players like Gibson, McLean and Sarah were on the ball like when they would receive the ball with their back to goal, they would try to turn. They would be so aware. And it's something that I've always criticised Kenny McLean for in terms of his awareness and looking over his shoulder and knowing where his marker or the player that's going to press him is. But he would try to turn or he would try a touch that would manipulate the ball and kind of move it forward and move it to the side. So he could then play a lateral or forward pass. The, the passes weren't then going straight back to, to Gibson or Duffy. So in that sense, I was like, this is actually like a brave performance because it's hard to lose 6-2 and then in the next league game, go back to Carroll Road and then try some of those technical skills or try and be a little bit more aggressive. And what I was watching Gibson McLean do on Saturday, I just felt, well, that, those are players that are really trying, that are being brave on the ball. So, yeah, I was just really impressed in terms of those two performances. But 
yeah, I absolutely loved everything you nearly did during this game. I think there were a couple of really good tackles in the first half as well. There's one where he completely dispossessed Sansfield in the box. And I think Stansfield had got round Duffy. And then uh, Unilis just came in, got the ball. He tried to let it go for a goal kick, which it didn't, which was a little bit frustrating. But in terms of actually winning the ball back from Stansfield, it was a pretty good tackle. Unilis is like definitely a forward-thinking left-back. I think some of his defensive work leaves a lot to be desired. But today, it was just such a complete performance from, from such a great player. And yeah, so glad he got an assist. Yeah, it was just such a shame he couldn't get his first goal for the club. There was the lob over Ruddy, um, and then there was the chance where he'd, he'd got in behind from a really great Sarah pass that you talked about, James. And and yeah, he just couldn't quite get the angle for the shot. Yeah, just a huge relief after what happened, uh, what happened against Plymouth. As you both kind of said, Birmingham were really poor, and Norwich took advantage of that. And that's exactly what you wanted to see over the 90 minutes, but... I don't think I'm quite over what happened um, against Plymouth. So until we play a slightly better opposition um, or until we get through Swansea on Wednesday and get through Coventry next Saturday, I think that's when we can really assess whether this team and whether David Wagner, the coach, has really bounced back from what happened um, what happened at home park. Yeah, I just want to say, I thought it was really interesting what you said about it being opposition dependent and that we know Wagner isn't someone who really adapts his tactics much depending on who we face, he's quite sort of set in his ways. I mean, a lot of coaches are, so fair enough if you believe in what you're doing. I just think that maybe that could lead to a pattern where we see us win a lot of the same types of games. I felt like we had seen this Birmingham game before when we played like Millwall, for example, where we had a team which turned up and didn't really do that much to stop us out of possession and were quite sort of passive and respectful. And we won that easily as well. From what we've seen over the season, we could start to see those patterns of like winning certain types of games, but then against certain opposition, the same tactics that brought us that success in those games could then be exploited. And um, maybe if we can somehow learn to adapt, we can then start to sort of back ourselves to uh, win more different types of games. Just continuing on, it's just I think Wagner, his build-up is so pattern-dependent, right? It's so uh, based on automizations and and triggers um, that when that's not disrupted, we do break down teams easily and create chances. But but when you set up tactically to, to disrupt, we, we really struggle. It's night and day um, how we sort of react to those situations. It's worrying for the future because if you get the plan, then blueprints figured out, then I think Norris could really struggle. But yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, it's almost like that, the conversation that's been had this weekend about um, Brighton and they obviously lost 6-1 to Aston Villa. And who set up very well to sort of block out their central progression. And how they struggle against certain teams who don't buy the press baiting, which is like something that Deserby is well known for. It's a pretty similar conversation here, really, that we're having about how um, if certain teams sort of come up with a plan of how to stop us, then you can see those certain teams have like real success against us. But then in the games where they sort of fall into the trap and don't really adapt to face us, you can see us be quite dominant like we were on Saturday. Great. So I think that's a good point to end it on. James, Rich, thanks very much. And thank you for listening to and supporting the Norwich City Tactics Podcast. Please subscribe to whichever platform you're listening to us on. 